I'm Charlie UK Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Every two years, bro. So <laughs> I've been kind of running by the on Twitter <laughs> where his hip-hop statistics highlight the bigger picture. Line direct to the fifth element or highlight fifth element hip-hop, which is knowledge. What that that thing? That 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 thing. Ben, stop making me listen to albums I do not want to listen to again. <laughs> Wow. So do you, do you want to tell me inside joke or should I? You can tell him because I want to hear it come out of... Uh, my explanation is going to be lame. I want to hear Charlie's uh, emotional reaction. Okay, so, um, so <laughs> when Ben, uh, when me and Ben, she started this podcast, you know, nearly five years ago now, um, four and a half years ago, um, he obviously had my number um, and he has this naming... Uh, what do you want to call it? Naming system that is just super literal. Very. Um, so for some reason, mine is lit- mine is Charlie UK podcast, and I po- I, po- I posed a joke because he sent me a screenshot, and I, I sent him a message as he did the screenshot. That's why I saw my name, and I was like, "Why is my name Charlie UK podcast? Is that to dissociate from Charlie USA chiropractor? You know what I mean? <laughs> he knows a lot of Charlies, clearly." Um, I know a lot of but yeah, no. Apparently, it's just how he names people on his phone, and he never fucking changes it. Um, and apparently, we've had this conversation before, yeah, <laughs> which um, I'm vaguely aware of. I guess um, I think I asked like uh, maybe two years ago. So yeah, so uh, apparently, it's a two yearly thing. Um, I forgot what the term for that is. I actually looked that up, by the way. Uh, apparently, biannually is every six months. I thought that was every other year. You're saying. Who knew? But, I um, got that. Every every four years is quadrennially. 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 Hi, Ben. Fuck it. How's your week been? What have you listened to this week? Why am I talking about it? <laughs> I don't know, but it's very interesting. It's a good start <laughs> to the podcast. Charlie's actually correct. I do have a very this, literal... This episode's going to be like two hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that now. It might be two hours. It I'm might be two hours that. before we get to the actual hours. It might be. But we'll, we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and then another hour for the lion though potentially all right <laughs> this week i did not listen to a lot of music this week so i did listen to drake's project uh six songs and i enjoyed it a oh, lot someone has to. i enjoyed it immensely the beats are great and drake i don't know man he was just saying some wild shit it felt like 2015 again it really did a lot of people were criticizing me for saying that well, you know, you guys probably weren't around 2015, so shut the fuck up. I, I thought it was good. I really did. Um, and then uh, Hip Hop All Day tweeted out that one of the songs had, like, the lowest uh, debut streams for a Drake project since, like, 2017, and this is why Drake doesn't do this. And, you know, Hip Hop All Day was getting flamed by a bunch of Drake stands, but I think he was probably correct, and it makes me kind of sad because, yeah, otherwise we just get lame, toxic R&B Drake when we could be getting... He's still toxic, but like it's not as misogynistic when he when he raps. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. I'm not gonna go back to it because why the fuck would I? But yeah, I enjoyed the first listen. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna leave Andre for last. Um, J57 dropped a tape. 
very enjoyable. Um, yeah, go check that out. It's uh, not exactly what you expect. Goes in a different couple of different directions that you're not really anticipating. Uh, but yeah, it was good. Danny Brown dropped, but I want to analyze it uh, lyrically. So I don't really want to talk about it yet until I have a bit of better of understanding of uh, what was going on in it. Because I think with every Danny Brown project, even if, even if it's a banger, even if there's bangers on bangers on bangers, he's usually saying some wild shit. So I want to kind of figure out what he is saying. And Andre 3000, um, I don't think we need a huge think piece here. If you spend much time on hip hop Twitter, you will know that people were, well, they basically have no idea how to react to this. Half of them were saying, why isn't he rapping? The other half were criticizing the people who were saying, why isn't he rapping? And then comparing the album to a Minecraft album. So that's not the place to go and get your musical discourse from. I thought it was really, 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 really good. I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, but as someone who listens to so much music in this space, this was very adept. This was, um, it, it's very enjoyable. It's very smooth. It's very calm. There's some brilliant little stretches. One of the things that I always look for in these kind of projects, and again, I'm not saying that I'm kind of some sort of expert on this because I can't make this kind of music. So I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about in that sense. I just know what I like. And I always like these kind of albums to have something either you know, really drony, really ambienty, something that can just like totally be white noise, or there's something unique and different on every song that is unique to that specific artist. An artist like Fortet is a great example. Every single Fortet album sounds different from everyone else in the world because he just has some sort of special source that he sprinkles on it that no one else could recreate. And if they did recreate it, you'd be like, well, that's just Fortet. Andre 3000 does have that on every song. There is something a little bit different from something I've ever heard before. And I think that that's a really good foundation to build from when you're creating this kind of music. Because as I say, this kind of music is easily made by a lot of people at a low level of, uh, of skill. You know, everyone has Fruity Loops, everyone has AI, there's, there's many ways. I mean, Brian Eno put out an album that was exclusively made by AI, and that was a huge thing a few years ago. So it is possible to make this kind of music. It's very cookie cutter, and I listen to a lot of it all the time. So most of it sounds the same, and you're like, well, what differentiates this artist from this artist? So I do think that the the artists at the top, like, you know, the Amon Tobins, the Square Pushers, the Venetian Snares, the, the Fortets, the Daniel Averys, Nathan Fakes, these artists all have some something very specific uh, that cannot be recreated that they have in every one of their projects that you're like, oh, that's them. You know, that's who they are. Aphex Twin, Orteca, these are... And I think Audrey 3000 has that. So look, if you were expecting Stankonia, no, it's not going to be... Are you stupid? Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Just please stop tweeting about it if that's what you wanted. Like, it doesn't make sense and you just sound like an idiot. So I thought... It was very adept. So shout out Andre 3000 for doing whatever the fuck he wants, whenever the fuck he wants. And I think that's true bravery. So yeah, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, so um, I got into what is a personal best uh, week of listening for myself. Uh, 18 projects. Let's bust through them all. Uh, Proje and Zion I Kings in search of Zion. So this is a very, very top tier. Um, basically, you know, kind of reinterpretation of Protégé's uh, previous album from last year, In Search of Time, um, and 
is fucking amazing. Uh, it breaks into two parts uh, where Zion I Kings um, as a group uh, basically just recreate the recreate the vibes and makes it more of a more of a roots reggae vibe. But there's also another volume of it um, where they basically just done it but with dub, little bit little bit of like you know just dub sprink- sprinkled in. Um, so yeah, imagine me listening to Switch It Up and In Bloom, which I already fucking love as tracks, and then making roots reggae. It's just Mind blown, love it, love it, love it. Uh, skip, I have to say it in the ways of Shannon Sharp. Skip, uh, but it's S K I P P. Uh, Summer of Love, an audio experience of a hip hop sort. This is actually a very interesting little EP, um, and something that kind of it was oh, it's just so close. It was so close to being like really, really good to me. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It had this re- the production on it was so oh so blissful, so soft, so smooth. Um, really good, uh, and gave off this, you know, the whole thing gives off this, um, you know, storytelling film kind of vibe, right, which I really enjoy. Um, I just didn't think the, I just didn't think the, the performances on, on Wax were that, uh, all that, to be honest. Um, you know, there were some good parts here and there, but yeah, it just kind of, um, I don't know, it just seemed a little loose, you know what I mean? I feel like the whole thing just needed to be much more focused, a bit more tight, um, in a lot of areas. Um, but yeah, so it's a solid project, you know, worth a listen, um, but I, I, I just feel personally it just could have been just, uh, just a little bit tight, a little bit tighter on that front in the execution. Uh, Black Pumas, uh, Chronicles of a Diamond, um, I've actually, this is the first time I've spin, spun black pumas um apparently they had uh, a very good album from a few years ago um but yeah i listened to this and it was um i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed this album it's really solid um kind of it's kind of akin to michael kimanuka's self-titled album if you like that you'll definitely like something of this um I, I i appreciate the first half of the album much more than the second i feel like it kind of tails off for me in the second half but the first half is top tier top top tier really good worker uh, in a lot of ways uh but yeah really good album solid uh ego lma spelled ego uh field notes part three really enjoyed part two from uh i think either last year or two years ago um Beautiful Days is still on my regular rotation. Really love that track. Shout out to Blue Lab Beats. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, more of the same. Um, if you like Ego LMA, you know what you're getting. And this is just that wispy, kind of fantastical songwriting. Um, and yeah, it just, it just takes you to another world in some ways. Um, it's really, it's really nice. She's got a real nice voice, real soft. Uh, one of the best uh, pens in the game so far. Uh, BJ Chicago Kid Gravy. Obviously, this is um, from last week, and I just, uh, you know, had to put it on the back burner. Um, really good, solid. Um, I kind of feel a little bit too poppy at times, um, but I feel like, you know, the majority of the album was pretty solid. Um, I like the variety, especially. Love the features. Um, really good features. Maybe could have been Freddie Gibbs on Liquor in the Sky could have been a different person. Personally, feel like there could have been better people to do that. But hey, solid regardless. I love the sample at the back end on the front end of that song. If you know, you know. Um, but yeah, just really good tracks all over the spot. I think the only one I didn't like overall was Honey with Chloe. Uh, just a bit too, bit too on the poppy side for me on that one. But um, yeah, it's got some good vibes in there. Uh, Khan and Mike Summers, The Nightly News. Um, this is their second project this year, um, together. And I really enjoyed their previous one. Really good storytelling. And this one's kind of similar. Um, you know, a lot of commentary on, um, you know, 
the nightly news, right? This is the first track, and then the war room, weather forecast, the World Health Report, free labor, the debt ceiling. You know, Khan gets into some real deep shit in terms of just like you know uh, current affairs and uh, and commentary on current affairs. Um, and yeah, man, I, I appreciate dexterity, man. Like I've, I've listened to Khan for years now, and he every year he just keeps changing up in some fashion. And uh, I, I really appreciate what we've, what he's done with Mike Summers here. Really good stuff on that. Uh, Johnny Montana, Stargirl, Louis P. Um, there's a song with Eric Bellinger on here called Undefeated that's just really good. Um, but yeah, the overall tape is fine. Um, yeah, it's got some, it's kind of like Trap Soul, you know, vibe kind of thing going on. Uh, which, uh, if, you, if that's your bag, then that's your bag. Solid. Um, but yeah, you know, solid EP, nothing to write home about. Um, I'm going to call this Air because H31R looks like Air. Like heir to the throne, but anyway, so J Words and Messiah uh, with Headspace, uh, female producer alert, of course, have to shout that out. Um, shout out to J Words and um, yeah, Samira Truth on Glass Ceiling. We love me some Samira Truth. Quote Chris on Down Down BB, really solid feature on that one as well. Um, but yeah, really good, um, really good little project here. Really good little mixtape. Um, I love the electronica kind of um, scattered electronic vibes going on. Uh, Messiah's got really good vo- uh, really good chops, um, love her bars, really solid performance on her front, and yeah man, nice, uh, nice, uh, ready to get a female duo these days, and you know, uh, take it how you get it, um, solid, uh, Dunaya, spelled D-O-U-N-I-A-H, uh, a lot, not too much, um, uh, Really like this project. I really like her bilingual. Um, I think she actually throws in, I think, like, French and German on here as well as English. Um, yeah, she just um, she just goes off um, on the, on the uh, on that front. Uh, but, yeah, I really like her vibe. Really good vibe on this one. Um, about, you know, 20, well, 27 minutes. So, you know, bordering on that EP album uh, thing again, once again. Of course, why couldn't it? Why it has to be? It has to be right. Um, but yeah, really good project. Really enjoyed that. Summer Pearl out my system. I really want Summer Pearl to be uh, in Cross the Tracks next year, um, which I am going to. I would love. I think I think she'd be just perfect for that kind of uh, for that kind of uh, uh, festival. Um, and yeah, really liked really like this uh, little mixtape. Um, really enjoyed it. Nice vibe. Um, but yeah. Solid. I'm speeding through this. I'm really trying my best to speed through this. I just hope you hope you guys uh, you know appreciate the fact that I'm speeding through these. Uh Danny Brown Quaranta, the long awaited Quaranta. Um obviously that is Italian for forty, um, as is Danny Brown's age. Um uh and yeah, I think this it's a very interesting album because um <laughs> if he if he dropped this before he went to rehab, I would have said this sounds like a guy who needs rehab because <laughs> it just sounds so. It just, he just sounds like in a space um, which I'm sure he isn't in now. Um, and I'd like to have his like just. Um, I'm sure you know when he does his pod in the next couple of weeks because I think he records ahead of time on those uh, on those apps. Um, when he gets down to it of the release of this um, and comments on it, I feel like he will talk about obviously just the fact that he went to rehab after the fact of doing this and listening back to this is just a weird trip because it seems a bit weird in that case when you know if you're aware of Danny going to rehab in the past few months um and getting out um and getting clean this 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 seems so kind of like erratic not like atrocity exhibition levels of erratic but just like I don't know kind of like on the off the back end of a bender you know what I mean 
just like it's 6 a.m i'm on the come down that's what this album feels like um so yeah it's a really interesting vibe um very very different as danny brown always is appreciate that uh samori Aya strength um love the first track with Eve ik banger track top tier track um Kabaka, pyramid and capleton on wrath mortem on history of violence really good um i don't mind samori Aya as an artist um he's got some good 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 stuff um feel like there's a, there's like a there's like a USP missing for me on uh, when it comes to him, um, but yeah, solid reggae artist um, of contemporary proportions. Uh, Sirens of Lesbos, uh, piece. Uh, this is an album that dropped in September, and um, glad I got to it now. Uh, really fucking good album. Uh, Eric the Architect on the first track, really good. Uh, Friend of Ivy Treasure Bloom on uh, My Brothers in Arms, really good. Um, I love the track Easy. I know you've done just dropped your dopamine uh, playlist, Ben, but you need to add easy on that. Well, you can't add easy because the album's dropped already from last month, but um, from a few months ago now. But Jesus Christ, it gives me like Fleetwood Mac dreams. It's so close. It's so close to that kind of essence. It's so fucking good. Bootsy Collins at the end of it. Love that. Um, here for that. Um, so yeah, shout to Sirens of Lesbos. Love the vocals of uh, I I don't know her name, but um, yeah, I love her vocals. Whoever you are, love your vocals. Um, two, <laughs> two Terrence Martin track uh, fucking uh, projects this today, this week, and that's seven of the year. Seven on the year. Terrence Martin has seven albums this year. That is absurd. Um, so the first one is uh, a track with a uh, track a project with Gallant. Um, a new signee on his front, uh, and they call themselves, I think they call themselves Sneak, um, it's called S-N-E-E-K, so Sneak, um, it's okay, it's fine, um, I like 311 with, uh, Terrace Martin, uh, with Terrace Martin, uh, with Robert Glasper, and I think Keon Howard is in there as well, um, that's pretty solid, um, it kind of dies down for me, uh, Oslo is probably one of the weirdest tracks that Terrace Martin has ever done for me, personally, um, I just found that really odd, it just turns into, like, a club beat, and then goes into, like, R&B, and then goes back to the club beat, and it just, it makes no sense, um, but yeah, apart from that, solid little album, uh, Terrace Martin again, with Calvin Keys, um, he actually tells a great story about Calvin Keys, um, on his socials, so be sure to read that on, a ter- uh, via Terrace Martin, um, but yeah, this is basically just, um, Terrace Martin producing and arranging with Calvin Keys, who is a guitar player, and yeah, he's just plucking away, he's just going, uh, he's just going about his day, and, uh, yeah, it's a really nice vibe. Really enjoyed that. Emily Sanday, my queen. Emily Sanday, how were we to know? Um, she does it again. Emotional intelligence on fucking 100. I don't know how she does it. She talks about the same things, but it just sounds fresh every fucking time. I don't know how she does it. Apart from maybe, uh, apart from maybe the last track, actually, Love, which was highly repetitive, um... I really love this album, um, Lighthouse, uh, Like I Loved You, great fucking track, uh, yeah, just oh, too much, really good track, yeah, just banger, bangers, 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 uh, where else have we got, <laughs> excuse me, two more, we're getting there guys, <laughs> Tandy and Tuli and Carlos Nino, uh, Rainbow Revisited, um, this is one of two albums with Carlos Nino we're going to talk about, um, <laughs> this episode, uh, the next one coming next, uh, but yeah, Tandy and, uh, Tandy and Tuli, um, is a vocalist, um, and, uh, amongst other things, I think pianist as well, 
um, and Carlos Nino kind of comes in the background of most of these. Um, but yeah, I love her vocals. Really nice um, breath and sync experiment, voice and tongo experiment. A very interesting little tracks right there. Um, the last track, which I'm not even going to try and uh, pronounce, is absolutely top tier. Um, I love Sunset in California. That's a really good track. Um, I don't like Sunrise in California, the first track, which is interesting. Um, I found that a bit too herky-jerky. Um, but yeah, when you get past that, bit smoother, bit smoother. Um, and, and lastly, Andre 3000, New Blue Sun. Um, uh, yeah, the, the track names are just absurd. Um, and uh, shout out to Tidal for um, having a fucked up UI sometimes where it, for some reason, goes to the next track, but instead plays the track that just played. So I went about five minutes in um, to the Jaguar one, or the, the purring one, and I was just like, why am I hearing purring again? And bloody dust the same fucking track so thanks title for wasting five to ten minutes of my life there um but yeah it's for loop it's um carlos nino again uh on uh basically on the production um i guess um you know just just say giving him tidbits on that front giving him a helping hand and uh it makes sense um i love carlos nino's work i put ben onto his um i think uh, i think it was called like the offering or something with fote um, I remember that being really good and really floaty, really watery. And this one feels very elemental as well. Um, it has this airiness to it, like you're in the middle of a desert and it's night time and there's a fire in front of you. Um, that's kind of what I get from it. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting album. Um, yeah, I appreciate Andre for coming coming back. You know what I mean? Just um, and just doing something new, doing something fresh. There's a great there's great um commentary by Lene Denise. Um, who talks about who's just a fucking like her knowledge on music is absurd. I don't know how she how she has that much knowledge in music, um, but yeah, she talks about um, she talks about this in in lieu of like uh, Alice Coltrane, John Coltrane, and the like, and uh, and comments on the bravery that obviously Ben mentioned as well. And um, it's brave because you lot don't understand. You, you lot just don't get it, it's, and that's fine. That's fine. And we're gonna get to stuff that we don't that you guys don't get either um, in a lot of ways on this episode, which. As I say that, we jump in to um, our uh, contemporary cool, uh, which Ben has clearly forgotten the uh, point of, which is cool, of albums that we think are cool, instead of albums I don't want to listen to. Uh, but here we are, uh, commenting on it regardless. So with that said, Ben, what have you brought for the gang? Oh, we're going to start. We're going to start with me. Wow. Okay. Of course we're going to wow. start with you. <laughs> Well, let me just make sure my mic's not muted anymore because we've got to make some points here. So, no, this album is not an album that Charlie and I were going to enjoy listening to. I have chosen Everything is Love by Jay-Z and Beyonce. Now, the reason I chose that is because the album sucks. We all know it sucks. It's not good. <laughs> no one enjoyed it. No one talks about it anymore. It doesn't exist in our... In our but <laughs> as, someone, <laughs> as someone who grew up in the early 2000s, I want to explain why it sucks. And why it was so... Let's just get into it. I just, you know, since Crazy in Love, Jay-Z and Beyonce have been the definition of the law of diminishing returns, okay? 03 Bonnie and Clyde is objectively a pretty mid-track in 2023, but in 2003, it was the hottest thing in the entire universe. It played constantly. It's the song that introduced me to Jay-Z. It was fucking everywhere. Crazy in Love, absolute generational banger, like a genuinely classic song, probably the epitome of a pop song with a rap verse like it is it's pretty perfect uh deja vu another classic although a little bit lower than the previous two and by this stage you know all their collaborations were guaranteed hits all three of those songs were chosen as the lead single from their respective albums all three of them had iconic 
film clips. I mean, genuinely iconic film clips. Again, nowadays, film clips don't mean that much. You're like, oh yeah, that film clip's kind of cool and you never watch it again. Back in the day, that's how we consume music. If you didn't want to listen to the radio and listen to shock jocks and ads every three seconds, you watched MTV or Channel V in Australia. So you're just watching music videos constantly. You know, Crazy in Love with Jay-Z like lights the set on fire in the middle of Beyonce fucking skating with her vocals and the choreography. And then Deja Vu, which had a much more solemn aesthetic. And it kind of felt like Beyonce was kind of slightly shedding her pop sheen a little bit. And Jay-Z was dressed like the Kingdom Come album art, like very expensive. And you know, Back then, like, as I say, it was just huge. Like, we were running out to stores to buy the maxi singles that had the video on it because we wanted to watch a video on our computers. But after that, their collaborations start to falter a little bit. Upgrade You, which I love, uh, didn't really hit. Not a not a massive song for them. Hollywood, objectively terrible song. Lift Off, not very good, or that that's not Beyonce's fault. Drunk in Love, I adore this song. Number two oh. on the Billboard 200. Uh, iconic song film clip is iconic I personally think it's a classic song I think it really recaptured the appeal of Crazy in Love you know Beyonce do you agree I'm I'm curious Charlie do you agree wrong not not a fan disagree no disagree okay well that's that's okay sometimes sometimes Charlie and I disagree Fuck, she's gay. She floats, man. She floats. I I love that. But for me, that's where it ends in terms of their collaborations. Part two on the run, which is the sequel to 03 Bonnie and Clyde, kind of attempts to update the original and they try to up the production values, which they never actually needed to do. Um, You get the feeling that the original film clip was like a super cut to a longer movie, but then they did that on the second one and it just felt like tacky and lame. It was just like, oh, guys. No, 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 no. Like, it just it didn't, didn't hit. Shining, DJ Khaled's album, Grateful. Not a good song. Like, it's it's okay, I guess. Um, you've got to remember, too, 2003 to 2006, there were no more popular duo existing in this realm. Their songs were guaranteed hits. Now they drop a song and no one really even cares. Um, and so, you know, we're not even going to talk about Top Off. I took a dump at the Maybach. I took a dump at the Maybach. See, that's the thing. We are crazy in love to Top Off. Just sit with that for a second. That's mental. That is a loss of fucking quality, okay? So if there was ever a time for a Beyonce and Jay-Z collaboration album, it was probably between 2007 and 2010. Their relationship was public. They married in 2008. And their music was very, very fucking hot. You know, people clown Kingdom Come now because they're young and they're idiots and they don't know any better. But when it dropped, it was the hottest album of the year. 680,000 copies first week. Regardless of its sales over the next few weeks, that is proof that Jay-Z was at the peak of hip-hop at that time. At that stage, it was only 50 Cent or Eminem who was going to outsell him. Even Nelly had dipped out of the equation. Little Wayne, 2008, you know, it was two years later that he sold a million. So Jay-Z was at the pinnacle, it was those three. Um, and, you know, the time for a Jay-Z and Beyonce collab album was not 2018, and it was not Everything Is Love. Now, let me just explain that. It sounds a bit silly, maybe, but let me explain. There were rumors of Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce from way back but they were rumors and there's always rumors everyone is cheating on everyone so if you paid attention to them you're a bit of a fucking idiot but then in 2014 solange gives jay-z the most famous elevator beatdown in history she beats 
the shit out of him in an elevator. And everyone's like, what the fuck? So it certainly seemed the rumors of cheating were true. We eagerly well, awaited Beyonce's did, Lemonade, yeah. which was an amazing album, like a truly fucking amazing album. We've spoken about it on this pod before. It's one of my all-time favorite albums. She just ascends to another level. And as someone who grew up on Beyonce, her 2013 self-titled album to me will always be my favorite because it showed that she was perfectly capable of keeping an album at the peak of pop while she delivered a well-thought-out concept. And I felt like Lemonade was an evolution of that. The concept takes precedence and then the music complements it with Beyonce carrying the entire thing with her stunning vocal performances and the visuals alongside it was so stunning. They propelled the album to an even higher level. Now we have Beyonce delivering everything, concept, performance, visual, and it directly addressed the cheating and Beyonce worked through her emotions in front of our eyes in what I felt was a very healthy and organic way it was a lot of self-awareness a lot of self-analysis a lot of anger frustration and sadness it was it was brilliant as you can tell I quite like that album so we eagerly awaited Jay-Z's 444 right kind of seemed like Jay-Z had lost his way in the 2010s. He was 40 when Empire State of Mind dropped. And whilst the video showed Jay-Z dressed up like he's a 60-year-old billionaire on top of the entire world, the album was not that sophisticated. Watch the Throne was perfection, and I think it began to debut the style that Jay-Z would employ on 444 and beyond. Because I think 444 seemed like a shock to people, but it didn't really shock me. And all this relates to everything is love, so just bear with me. I think of a track like Beach Chair, right, of Kingdom Come in 2006. You see a far more introspective and speculative Jay-Z who isn't necessarily at the peak of confidence and certainty. There's plenty of instances of this, like regrets, can I live, lucky me, you must love me. You know, moments of Sean Carter questioning himself rather than the persona of Jay-Z. So 444, we get Jay-Z killing Jay-Z on the very first track. And the assumption is the album will be a destroy and rebuild situation. And I mean every double entendre I say in this episode. And it kind of is a little bit of a destroy and rebuild for Jay-Z. Like in the title track, he admits his guilt, sits in his shame. And the album to me after that, it just feels hollow because we don't have the full story. You know, he's like, yeah, I cheated. I've made up for it, you know. It was tough, but hey, we did it. And it's just like, okay. And I know that the Deluxe had many face God and Adness, but why not put them on the album if you've killed Jay-Z? You know, I love the album, don't get me wrong, but it just felt like a hollow ending. So we were thinking, here comes everything is love, right? This might be the back and forth conversations we've been dying to hear. Beyonce might be going in on Jay-Z. They're going to address it. They're going to talk about it together. No, not at all. The lead single is Ape Shit, which is okay, but it's not really. And, you know, it's a bit of a club banger. There's no explanation about anything. It's just like, hey, guys, we're in the Louvre. It's like, you got to remember, we just came from Lemonade and 444, and then we get Ape Shit in a club going Ape Shit. Like, okay, great. Again, 2005, give me Ape Shit. 2018, don't want Ape Shit. And... Most of the production is just this like slower R&B, which is great for like a sexy sensual album, but it's not for an album we're expecting some self-analysis on and certainly not for an album about how rich and successful you are. It just did not vibe. The production is sleepy. I think the exception is Friends, and I think Friends is exactly what this album probably should have been, okay? 
it's an all-time Hove verse for me. It just keeps going. Every time you think he's finished making points, he takes it up to another level. And he finally ends it with a pretty scorching takedown of Kanye, which I actually thought was really stupid. I mean, I felt like, and this is just my perspective, this is my opinion, okay? If they were best friends, which they allegedly were, Kanye was getting married. Jay-Z's excuse for not going to Kanye's wedding is, oh, I cheated on my wife, so I had to stay at home and fix that with her. Why would you think I would come to your wedding in the middle of that? It's like, okay, no. Like, no, I'm allowed to be upset. I feel like I'm allowed to be upset at that. That's just my opinion. Other people obviously feel differently. I've seen people on Twitter saying, why would you come to a wedding if you, like, maybe just don't cheat on your wife in the first place. Maybe just don't cheat. And that's how I felt. That's how this this album pissed me off and annoyed me because it's like all we got was a couple of songs on 444. We got a whole album from Beyonce. She's just like going the fuck in on Jay-Z and just, you know, explaining her pain and, and the difficulties she's faced and all the, the, the things she's had to do to figure out how she can trust him again and be in this relationship with him. And Jay-Z just pops up on 444. He gives one song. He's like, yeah, man. Doing some self-analysis, it was great. Don't get me wrong, love that song. The rest of it was just, and then we get Everything Is Love, which is just them, club bangers, happy in love, love happy, everything's great, everything's hunky-dory, everything's cool, we fixed everything, guys, don't worry about it. And it's like, okay, well, what's the point of this album? It's terrible, it's a bad album. And I. these are the reasons why, okay? Because that's really what I wanted to do in this episode, is just like figure out why this album sucked outside of the... The, the crucible of the Twitter discourse, because that is the stupidest place to have a conversation in human history. I think the reasons are, it sounds nothing like their classic collaborations, and it came five years after their last decent collaboration song, which was Drunk in Love to me. And, you know, if you're Charlie, like way back in fucking deja vu, probably, you know, like if I'm going to say that Drunk in Love is my favorite and I remove that, then my previous favorite would be Deja Vu in like 2006. So that's 12 years back. That's a long way back. It didn't answer any of the questions that Lemonade and 444 brought up. There was no further explanation of events or conversations or much of anything really. And I can understand Beyonce not doing that because she was entirely transparent on Lemonade. But that guilt-ridden Jay-Z that we saw on 444 was completely gone. There was no kill Jay-Z. Jay-Z was back on Everything Is Love. And that was just jarring and confusing. And finally, the music sucked. And it was just... It just... I don't know, man. It was really disappointing. And, and as I said, it was important for a lot of us in the early 2000s. We adored this duo. We were excited when we saw them on a song together. So when they got an album, we're like, fuck yeah, it's going to be amazing. <sighs> and it was not amazing. And that makes no sense because a written testimony was fucking brilliant. So Jay-Z was capable of doing a great collab album. Watch the Throne is a brilliant album. So yeah, that's how I feel about it anyway. Uh, ben. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, clearly you didn't listen to Love Happy. They clearly uh, addressed it on there, did they not? <laughs> well, <laughs> for like for like four lines. Yeah, they're um, Love Happy, so yeah. Yeah, you know, like I ain't kill you when you met the I I. Um, I I I approached this album with the most extreme levels, nuclear levels of apathy. Um. I I don't care. <laughs> I I don't care about co- the context of this album which which you know as Ben said 
um, actually doesn't really matter because there isn't much on that front. Um, if people just wanted an album of just them, I don't know, doing 2088, but basically, you know, in real, in, in reality and not just for the, for the art of it, um, then sure, you know, but I, I wasn't, I, I didn't really carry the way. Um, but I guess my question is, who's this for? Um, <sighs> Cause, I, cause, this is the thing. This is the weird thing when it comes to B and J, B and J. Um, <laughs> this is a weird thing, right? Of oh, my childish intrusive thought. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't even get there. I, like, I, I'm 35, bro. It took me took me a few seconds. I'm like, oh, that's right. Charlie's younger than me. Charlie's younger than me. <laughs> hey, man, I'm still be like, making those jokes, and I'll be alright. Right? Get yourself. And you'll still be laughing them when you're fully sane, all right? Get over yourself. Don't act like don't act like you're above it, all right? We all love a good BJ joke. Um, <laughs> so where was I going? Oh yeah, so their fan bases are very interesting because I I swear the overlap is so minimal, like the overlap I think so is too. absurdly minimal. Yep. It's crazy, is it not? Yeah, it's so yeah. crazy how minimal their at least with like Janae Aiko and Big Sean. I don't know why I'm comparing them these two couples together but i feel like there's some there, there, actually no i'm not even gonna make that argument there's no there's no overlap for janae Iko fans and big sean fans there's just none there's none there's none there either don't know why i'm gonna even bother making that assumption um but yeah it's, yeah, it's there would weird because even when they, when they did they did a tour off this right they well they no they toured in together the in 2014 tour or like that? that was in 2014 2015 do you know right. those shows are very Still. jarring to watch because it's just like it doesn't make any sense. Like they'll go back and forth, yeah. and like the crowds it mostly it sound, like it don't sound great on paper. It don't. It don't. It doesn't make sense. It don't sound great on paper. Like, it don't yeah. sound great on paper. Um, you know, Beyonce's there for Beyonce. Beyonce fans want Beyonce there for a, for for a certain reason, and J and J fans want J there for some reason, and uh, for for a particular reason. And I feel like. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen any of the footage, by the way, because again I don't care. Um, but <laughs> I can imagine nobody gets what they wanted, um, and it just uh, it just felt like it. It feels like a, just a, artistically just doesn't make sense. I don't mind summer on here. Um, that's pretty much the only track I can stomach. To- totally wholeheartedly. I like I like Beyonce's performance on that particular track. I like uh, I, I don't I can tolerate Jay's verse on that, but I but this is the thing when uh, as as I age, the more I just um I the more the more disillusioned I get with Jay Z as a rapper. Um, not to say he ain't great or do this top five DOA. Don't get your pitchforks out. Calm down. I just get a bit disillusioned because yep. he doesn't adhere to the to the to the essence of what's what the track's supposed to be. He, nope. he just he just he just says Jay Z shit. It doesn't really matter what B is. It does. It really doesn't matter. And it's kind of just it's it just un, it's unsettling. It doesn't make sense. Beyonce's trying all this shit. Um, she's rapping on this album. She's singing on this album. She's doing backflips on this album. And then there's Jay just just. Just doing J shit, just yep. just rapping J bars, you know, however good or bad they may be. Um, it's it's just he's just doing his thing. It's the same when it came to that um fucking a fucking Lion King gift album. Oh my gosh, his fucking feature on there still rubs me so bad. It rubs me so the wrong way. 
U-turn, 180. I yep. fucking it's hate really it. really not. Why are you talking fit. about capitalism doesn't on a fit. fucking Lion King album? You doesn't fucking fit. weirdo. Talk about something else. Impossible difficulty. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's impossible. <laughs> it's, I don't get it. Just change a little bit. Just adhere to the concept. Just a crumb of concept adherence, please. And, I, you know, he does it on here in some ways. Like, you know, the, the last track I, I aforementioned, he kind of gets to the point, right? And that's fine. Um, but it's oh, just... And then, and then the rest of it is kind of easy to adhere to because they're just flex tracks. Apeshit, flex. Friends, flex. 713, flex. It's fine. It is what it is. They're just flex tracks. They're nothing to write home about. Um... I, I, f- I feel like I got more trap than, than the R&B that you're talking about, um, which is fine, but I just feel like the trap elements on this album is just so just run to the mill, to oh, be it's honest. Just they, 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 it's just unnecessary. They just like, don't excite me at all. They don't like, excite why? me at all. Listening to Ape Shit again just just doesn't excite me at all. It's I feel like that's just one of those one of those songs that if you ain't watching the, the video, there's no point in even consuming it. Because um, it's literally just a video that is actually the USP here. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't like that song at all. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a ton of flex tracks and then bookended by some, some, a, a, a crumb of substance. And it's just, and again, who is this for? This, this, I don't think this is, you know, Beyonce's best album ever. Like, it's probably one of her, you know, least favorite. If you, if you put a gun to everybody, uh, every Beyonce's fan head, they'll probably put this last. Uh, more than, more than, if it was last or any other number, I'm gonna bet last, right? It can't um, be any Jay? other number. What, what Jay fans listen to this? It, no, it's not. It's not happening. So yeah, it's just. It's Shit. a weird album just from day dot. It's a weird album from day one. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's kind of vapid, if I'm going to use you know heavy terminology. Um, minimal substance. Beats of passable, but not exactly you know not uh, not exactly Beyonce Jay Z level of like you know effort. Um, just. It, yeah, just this feels like some dude just makes it made it. You know, what I mean, just on fruit loops or science, like generic trap beat, <laughs> type trap type beat. <laughs> That's all it comes across to me. Um, not to disrespect the producers on this front, but yeah, it's it's. I I just don't get it. It's just from just from concept. It just feels like a non-starter for me personally. Like I I can I can get why people would I guess want this, but I just don't see it. And again. I approached this with complete apathy um, of, upon listening to it again. I, I I was there first week. I listened to this first week. I remember I was in the, I was in the field walking my dog, throwing the ball about. I remember spinning this, and I was like, "This is okay." And then you know I just just <laughs> and then you know my brain matures, and I'm just like, "Oh wow, this is just this is just a, a complete non-starter for me." To, to be completely honest with you, I just don't know who this is for. Pretty much. I mean, that's the problem with it. And it just, yeah, it makes no sense. And I, I wanted to look back at it because no one ever talks about it. And I do think that I think there was hype for it for a certain type of person. And I was definitely that type of person. 
And I think, as I said, man, like back in the early 2000s, I do think that a, a joint tour would have gone crazy for them because Jay-Z was at the peak of commercial hip-hop. Beyonce was at the peak of yeah, commercial Yeah, don't get me pop. wrong. That shit's going to sell out regardless. It would have sold out. and it <laughs> Regardless of how disjointed both of their performance styles are, Jay-Z, Mr. I Walk About, literally just nothing. No, no, just... I'm walking, I'm rapping, I'm pointing to the crowd, you know what yeah. I mean? Just generic rap stuff. And then Beyonce, like, we all saw Renaissance clips, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> it's crazy. You know what I mean? Unless they're, doing a, unless they're doing a bit of, like, jigging together, you know what I mean? Have a little dance, you know what I mean? Like, a little bit of choreo, maybe. The dance I, I fuck with, with me. A little bit of choreo, you know what I mean? Like, I, I fuck with that, you know what I mean? Get some ballroom going on. I, I, fuck, with, I fuck with seeing that, but no, it's not going to happen, so... But see, when, they, when Beyonce came out during uh, Fade to Black on the Madison Square Garden show in 2004, the, his, his, his farewell show, that was lit, man. That was crazy. Like, she just came out and they had the choreography and it was crazy. Everyone was dancing. Jay-Z was just kind of standing there. And allegedly, they were having a fight at the time. That's what, but that's what he was doing. If you watch the video, he's just standing there just watching her. He's just like... Because, you know... But then when they did the 2014 tour together, they were just like going back and forth. And Jay-Z was like kind of dancing a little bit with her and just kind of, you know, swaying a little bit sometimes with the music. And it's just like, no, 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 no. And then we got, and then, look, that's just my perspective. It's just my opinion. But if I had been offered tickets to go see Jay-Z and Beyonce in 2014, I would have said yes, but I would have been like, ugh, nah. I'd prefer to see them both separately. I don't really, do you know what I mean? I like, I'm a, okay, this is a perfect thing. I am a fan exactly. of both. I'm a fan of both artists. I'm absolutely a Beyonce yeah, fan. Sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely yeah, Jay-Z fan. I'm not a Beyonce fan because of Jay-Z. I'm not a Jay-Z fan because of Beyonce. I am a fan sure. of each artist separately. Yep. I have no interest in listening to music of them together, and I have no interest in <laughs> seeing them together. Just none. Keep them t- For me, yeah, I just would like them separated. So not not, yeah, not yeah. separated in relationship sense, just relax. Just, I would like not them to put, I would like them to not put out music together. And they put out a, an album together and it's pretty garbage. And I would rank it not below the R. Kelly albums, but like very low in Jay-Z's thing. And I have it at the very fucking bottom of Beyonce's discography. It is so far down there. I never return to it. So that's it, man. It, it sucks. Sorry. But Ben, I showed you that Stephen A. Smith video. We can he's in jail now. We could talk about R. Kelly again. Oh yeah, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> that was was that real? Why would you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely real. That's no, definitely real. Bro, that was horrendous. Um, shout shout out to who I now call Sports Wendy. because um, Stephen A. Smith is literally Wendy Williams for men. Um but anyway, let's carry on. Moving on to um an, an actual cool album. Um this is Hempress Sativa. Uh, Unconquerables uh, It's dropped in 2017 um, And Only was a, Only gained awareness of Hemper Sativa Only a couple uh, Maybe a couple years ago Maybe a year ago Year plus um, I saw her live last year And it's one of my favourite uh, It's really up there in terms of like Just um, Live shows I've been to Just really enjoyed her essence The band was great Songs were great um, yeah, I hope to see her next year um, for, obviously, her more recent release in Chaka. Um, but I could have picked Chaka, but I picked on Conquer Rebels because, well, it, it, I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out to pick an album from this year. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I wanted to, I guess, nail down. 
I've done this before, but I wanted to nail down um, just how um, just how unique um, Jamaicanized, especially our um, reggaeized, can be um, because this covers a lot of ground. I feel like this album. Um, you know, you have the you have like the you know sing along stuff that you can do. You know, boom, what that that thing, that 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 thing. Like it's that's it's fine. It's fine to listen to, right? And then you have like Rocky Dina dance. Um, but <laughs> when it gets past that, and I feel like the her most recent album has a lot more rapping in it, um, which is very interesting. Um, change uh, for her creatively. This one has a little bit lesser, um, but you still get that in a lot of these. Um, just in just you know, how she's doing the, how she's constructing verses, she's rapping, she's rapping, rapping on here, right, and it's crazy, <laughs> it's so fucking good, she actually calls herself the lyrical machine, which is um, a really good, just a moniker to give yourself, um, but past that, um, and in, um, in comparison to the previous album we just talked about, um, the substance on here is so jam-packed, um, and it's such a really great contemporary example of Roots Reggae. Um, if you wanted me to explain Roots Reggae, is basically just um, very political reggae. <laughs> uh, think uh, think of, you know, the multiple, multitude of Bob Marley and the Wailers albums. Um, you know, we all talk about Free Little Birds, we all talk about jamming, right? But there's a ton of political shit. Um, in Bob Marley's discography that people don't talk about enough. Maybe Redemption Song, maybe War. Um, but there's... It's jam-packed. Like, there's, there's so many. Burning the Lutin, Banger Track, if you haven't spun that one before. Um, but yeah, I feel like Empress Sativa... And this is this is one of those... Empress Sativa is one of those artists where I don't want to know her for her name, her actual name. Uh, I want to I wanna be completely... Um, completely uh shrouded in the in the in the uh uh what's the word in the um in the persona i i, I don't want i i want to think of her as literally like a, a weed smoking the chalice empress um and she's just like this uh just other being um, you know what I mean? She she just gives off this such a interesting persona and it comes off so well on her work especially. Um yeah, her voice is, you know, just uh, unmistakable, I feel. Um just got that thick, thick Jamaican twang just thoroughly going through everything. Um not holding your hand throughout that, which, you know, there are um while I understand why a lot of, you know, artists from the islands do that. Um, she does not. She, she does not hold your fucking hand. You're going to understand this patois and fucking like it. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's, 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 it's really unforgiving in that sense. And uh, I feel it's all the more authentic. Again, not to dis- not to disrespect the other artists that, you know, kind of, I would say, tone it down, right? But damn, it just comes across so authentic on here. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I really love this album just for a lot of reasons. I love Hempress Sativa for the exact reasons I've described. Um, I find it just such an authentic uh, force arti- arti- artistically. Um, there's a lot of really good commentary on here. Um, I feel the track No Peace is so perfect for a time like this in the in the world we're in right now. Um, it just it hits different. 
you know, um, especially in this uh, current climate. Um, so yeah, man, it's a it's a it's a one I wanted to pick that, and you know, contemporary call is supposed supposed to be right. <laughs> we haven't done it uh, all the time, but it's supposed in essence it's supposed to be albums from the past ten years um, that you know that we think are good. Or we think that are worth talking about. We should say now, since we just brought out albums that we <laughs> one of us don't like in past a few episodes recently. Um, uh, albums of note that you know you guys may have not talked about or may have not talked about it in this way. Um, and you know this is firmly just in that camp of I think this is a really good gateway um, to you know, uh, roots reggae as a, as a genre. Um, I feel, you know, there's as hip hop fans, I feel there's plenty of rapping in those, in those, uh, circles. Um, and even if you, and even if there's not, um, even if it's, you know, relatively sung, um, I feel, you know, the, the messages stand, stand on their own, um, in such a, in such a strong foundation where, you know, I might listen to, uh, who to Killer Mike? Great example. I might listen to Killer Mike for uh, for uh, for an example, and you know I can I can fuck with what he's saying, but there's just a little bit of me that doesn't it doesn't feel like he's 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 saying it just to you know he's saying it just to say it sometimes you know what I mean, um, and or or he says something and it completely contradicts himself. Um, in like another track down the line, it's 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 really off-putting. Um, whereas I think someone like Empress Sativa just sticks right ten toes down in obviously Rastafari, Rastafarianism as a religion, um, but you know everything, all the lessons that that particular religion brings, and pushing it out to the to to the people that will listen um, in a very um, in a great musicality, um, and in a great style, and in an uncompromising style, um, so, yeah, that's just, it's just, I just wanted to do 10 minutes of Hempress TV guess, that's basically why I did this. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned Kill Mike, because he was actually in the final season of Billions, and he oh, was... God, bro, I recorded the last two seasons, I totally forgot, I was, I was like, have I, have I missed a season? And I actually have, it. I'm two seasons behind, I didn't even clock. I mean, that's a good place to be because it means you get to watch two seasons of Billions. Like, that's that's a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, no, right. But, but yeah, and I'm, so I'm not going to spoil it for you, but they yeah. I'd, they didn't do him dirty, but, like, he obviously agreed to do it, but they had him endorsing a candidate who was horrible and very capitalistic. And it's just, like, it made no sense. I was like, why are you... What, what, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Anyway, so anyway, in terms of Empress Sativa, that's, you know, it's a good little thing to say where... An artist like Killer Mike who occasionally contradicts himself and it just gets confusing and it's like, well, what is your actual value system? And he's a very popular artist, Killer Mike, so maybe that is leading into it. Hemper Sativa just says what she needs to say, when she needs to say it. I don't give a fuck if it charts. I don't give a fuck how many people are listening to it. And there's so much knowledge drop on here, especially when she's rapping. When she's spitting, you've got to keep the fuck up because she is dropping knowledge on your head and you need to listen to it. But the album is just such a nice vibe and it goes in so many different directions, but it always just keeps coming back to that core sound and that core energy. 
and you can listen to it on so many levels. I mean, I was I listened to it all afternoon the day I put it on. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was a little bit stoned myself, so I and I get quite paranoid when I get stoned because I have so much fucking anxiety already. So sometimes I'm listening to something, I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. And I wasn't 100% sure, but I put it on and I was like, oh, yes, fuck yes. And so, yeah, I listened to it over and over again. I was working to start with listening to it while I was doing that. I lay on my bed for like 25 minutes and just listened to it. And it was just, it was a great vibe. And I really got into the energy of the project. And yeah, I fully respect Hemper Sativa for just, just as Charlie said, there's no apologies on here. She's not going to hold your hands through this. Like, you need to sit down and listen and engage with it and yeah, learn from it, man. There's just like, and, and just the messages on here, uh, the revolutionary messages, the messages of equality and understanding and peace. And it's just brilliantly done, honestly. I, I enjoyed it immensely. I don't listen to a lot of reggae, to be honest. I'm not really sure why. I just It's just not in my musical palette as often as some other genres. But every time I listen to someone like Hemper Sativa or an album like this, I'm like, man, I really need to start listening to more of this kind of music because I'm missing, like it's it's a, it's a gap in my musical knowledge. And you know, again, I've always, there are two things that I really adore about this album that really tap into a core value that I, I like with music. The first is I like artists who just fucking create. They create from the heart, they create from the soul, they create the music that they want to create and they don't care who hears it, how much spins it gets. Because, you know, most of what I do on the daily basis in hip hop numbers is listening to people who are just making songs to chart and making songs to hit and pop songs. And that gets fucking mind numbing, especially talking to people about it who are taking that music seriously, like for all the dogs. They're like, yeah, but but Drake. And I'm like, no, no, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. It's so intolerable. Um, but I also love an artist who, I mean, this was her debut album. So like, this is not an artist 10 years into the game, 15 years in the game, 20 years in the game. I love artists who come into the game, not fully formed, but you can just feel their talent and their ability. Niles on Illmatic is a great example. There are so many examples of debut albums where you're just like, oh, I can see why you are a special artist, why you are a unique artist, very adept. And this album... As again, the other side of what I do is listen to a lot of underground music, a lot of uh, you know songs to put on dopamine or hip hop numbers, or so I listen to a lot of people who are not there yet, and you listen to it and you're like, oh gosh, this is good, like I could see something, but like it's pretty unlistenable. This was just like straight up, it sounded fucking professional, it sounded fucking amazing. There's nothing in this album you're gonna be like, oh, not sure about that. It's just. I enjoyed it immensely. I thought this was fucking brilliant. In rapping, as Charlie said, she can fucking spit, like seriously. And every time, and it, she doesn't do it every track. So every time it comes in, it's kind of exciting. And sometimes, mm. and, and that's with the time signatures as well. Like, it's not like a traditional song a lot of the time, like verse, hook, verse, hook. So just yeah. randomly drop into a rap cadence and it would just be maybe even 30 seconds. But it would be, oh, fuck. And it would jolt you out of it. And when she's doing it, she's just spitting so much knowledge and then we go back to the calm and oh, just great fucking project on many many levels. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, so um, she came on to I guess um, well she began in like 2013, uh, but just like singles here and there with other people. Um, so you know she had a I guess a few years in her belt up to that point. Um, but yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. Just you just see you just see that talent, you know what I mean? And it's so, um, 
yeah, like I said, I think uncompromising is just such a such a good word to such a good word to use because, like you say, I feel like there there's a lot of compromising um, in some works. Uh, I I feel there's a lot of artists out there. And I won't name names, even though I named uh, Killer Mike, but that was for a different reason. Um, but I feel that there's a lot of artists that have, you know, either have the knowledge or have the interest, um, but they just don't, they don't pursue that artistically for whatever reason. Um, yeah, for whatever reason. I'm sure, like, you know, uh, someone like, uh, you know, Shock G, right, for example, Smart Dudes. Um, but he also had Digital Underground, and that was, you know, for fun. But I'm sure he could have. I'm sure he could have done something where there was, you know, some um, heavy weight to it, right? But obviously, Digital Underground's Digital Underground, um, and we love that for that reason. Um, but you know, I feel people like people like No Name, for example, right? I think is a good example of somebody that keeps keeps learning and keeps you know updating you with every piece of work she has of just like here's what I've learned and here's how I see the world um and I appreciate that kind of commentary right um whereas I don't see a lot of artists doing uh, doing that kind of thing where it's just I'm here to create a vibe and that's fine, you know. None, all of this is fine. It's 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 up to it's up to what they want to do for a career. If they want, um, if they want actually, <coughs> if they want a certain level of success, then yeah, sure. You know, you go about it how you go about it. You know, there's a game here, and it is to be played, right? I'm not gonna hate the player for it, um, but I do feel that I have artists in mind, but I don't want to name just for the. I don't know. I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to play that game, um, but yeah, you know, there's a, there are artists that I feel like could oh just really just go balls to the wall with that kind of talk, with that kind of commentary, and they just don't for whatever reason. Um, and you know, it kind of while I always value their work and I I'm always going to enjoy their work, I feel there's always that just just could just couldn't taken just could have taken that step further but they just chose not to for whatever reason um which i don't want to say lovingly um moves into as we finish up and moves into highlight a note but um in some ways it does i guess um <clears throat> i'm gonna clear my throat let me clear my throat because i want diddy in jail Oh, yeah, I didn't I know where you were going with that for a sec. I want this dude in jail. I want this dude in fucking jail. Okay, so many of us, obviously, many thoughts. If you are, if you've lived under a rock for the past week, uh, Cassie, obviously former, uh, former girlfriend of uh, of of Sean Combs at one time, uh, when she was like nineteen and he was like fucking mid thirties or some shit. Um, just yeah. that alone is wild. Yeah. Um, legal but fucking wild. That's weird. Um, legal but weird. Um, and yeah, it came to light um, through a court document um, that literally had a trigger warning. It was so graphic in in detail um, that uh, there was several moments of rape, uh, sexual abuse, sex trafficking, physical abuse uh, among um, a litany of other 
you know, crimes. Now, this was a civil case. There's a ton of armchair lawyers, um, a.k.a. Peter fucking guns of all people, um, loves to say... And because of this, that doesn't even if it even if it um, even if the case went ahead, which it didn't, it basically got um, settled in one fucking after 24 hours, which was so disappointing because I literally sent Ben a message going, um, I, I I literally I I couldn't sleep that night because I was just like, oh, I'm brewing, I'm brewing something fucking fierce um, to talk to to how to break this dude down, right? Um, but then literally as I woke up, settled, and I was like, fuck's sake. Um, but yes, it was a civil case, and even if it did go through, he wouldn't go to jail because it's a civil case and not a criminal case. Um, there's good commentary by Oliemi Alurin and Mark Lamont Hill. Um, just re- literally just today as I record, um, the, the, then they talk about it in depth. Um, I think that's a really good place to start if you actually want some good commentary on this. Um, but I that that's really just um, one particular instance in a sea of terrible fucking takes um oh and shout out to party you fucking bitch oh my gosh how are you 40 years old bro how are you 40 years old and you're dropping diss track you are you are such a oh it's such a dweeb you are such a fucking dweeb it's actually crazy um weak fucking diss track as well not even good fuck not even objectively good just the weakest source who the fuck's anyway Oh, see, it was Megan's uh, Megan's dude for like the past few years, and then they broke up for whatever because he cheated and whatever. So now he's dissing Megan, and then he dissed Megan. He he he. His only like claim to fame was like he was Cardi B's like songwriter at one point, um, and then he started dating Megan, and now he's not dating Megan, and now it's recent. Now I've just recently got uh put onto the fact that he's forty. <laughs> he's forty science, so wild. Anyway, um, but yeah bitch move on your front uh, party so um look forward to never hearing from you ever again um but anyway back to the point this whole thing is just dirty um because on top of everything that we've even talked about on this particular show when we talked about bad boys label that was a lot of talk of just how much of a fucking demon puff he is keep saying puff sean combs how much of a fucking demon he is um, and that's just on top of the, that, that's just the stuff that people have come forward with, you know, uh, for their personal testimony. We're not even talking about the myriad of fucking rumours, conspiracies that, su- that surround this guy. This guy is fucking voodoo, bro. People dead, either dead or poor around him. It's fucking grim. It's so grim, and this is just a confirmation, confirmation of just how poor this man is in, you know, just in, not in money, obviously, um, because he paid out 30 mil, um, and, you know, fuck these people that keep saying, like, oh, she was there for a payday, um, you know. She had actually, and someone said, like, uh, oh, we need a time limit on this shit, and... There actually was. Um, there's there was like a I think it's like a New York thing uh, where you have like an extra time past the statute limitations for this kind of thing, and that particular deadline was coming up for her, so that's why she did it now. Um, so answering the question to whoever that person was and the other people that do ask that, 
there you go. She actually did have a time limit, quote unquote. Um, they just they just mean within a year, right? They they just mean like the the point of time where you know they're still traumatized about it and they don't understand you know domestic abuse. They don't understand any of that shit and they don't understand how trauma works. And they just act like, oh, why are you saying it? Uh, Twenty yeah. years or ten years from the so it's oh, it's just ugh, ugh, yep. it's just. It's just stupid. This is stupid. It just makes you want to bash your head against a wall. This is this is like Andre discourse times fucking twenty. It's so bad because it's so just a bunch of loud and wrong people. It don't make fucking sense. I really sincerely hope there is somebody out there that can put this guy in a criminal case so he can go to fucking jail. I'm going to end it on that because this dude needs to be in fucking jail. You think if he pays out 30 fucking million after 24 hours of the case coming through, you think he's innocent? <laughs> Get the one. fucked. You fucking crazy people. Are you fucking mad? That's How can one. you even possibly make that argument? Um, and one more thing, Ben. I meant, uh, and I wanted to make this whole thing um, just, just full circle, right? Zooming out a little bit. And I think I'm going to write this for, like, um, the State of the Hip-Hop Union next year in January. Um, because I feel like this is just a thing that has come time and time again in recent years. Obviously with the likes of Megan and now with the likes of Cassie. Um, <laughs> you guys need to, as, a, as a people in hip-hop especially, you know, artists artists that now just chat shit and don't actually do music or anything else they just do shows and talk shit and whatever if you if you lot are in the hip-hop community you need to actually start we need to start blacklisting some people i'm sorry that's that's all i'm trying to say we need to start blacklisting some people i'm sick of seeing chris brown on your fucking feature list oh god please i'm sick of people having sean combs anywhere fucking near them okay I'm sick of shit, even fucking Dre, okay? I'm sick of this. It's people just don't... You guys, if you if you guys aren't going to um, portray someone in the fullest possible light, then you really don't... <laughs> you really don't get the picture. Like, it's really jarring how people can just, like... Take one... Take, like, the bad thing that somebody's done and just completely throw it under the rug. Like, you guys really need to have, like, a deep reckoning with yourselves individually. And we really need to have that collective conversation about protecting these women. Because it's really fucking jarring how the likes of Peter Guns comes on Instagram Live, wherever the fuck he comes from. And these piece of shit fucking hip-hop-centered black culture fucking pages on Instagram, Twitter, wherever the fuck. Fucking platforming this shit. Do fucking better. Stop doing this shit for fucking clicks. Do fucking better. Protect these fucking women. Please, I beg you. I'm not expecting revolt to do it because it's fucking (laughs) Sean Combs' fucking thing. I'm not expecting them to do it. Obviously not. But you lot ain't affiliated. Fucking cover it like a fucking normal person, you fucking weirdos. Stop having, ooh, Peter Gunn said this about, said misogynistic take number 263. Why? I know why, but why? Ask your fucking self. Why do you keep fucking doing this, you fucking heartless people?
please just have some fucking like have some fucking empathy shit it just makes no sense bro like need to get out of this we need to get out of this as a fucking community it's really fucking saddening to be honest just watching watching women just getting shouted down for just because um you lot don't fucking get it it's fucking it's 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 grimy behavior it's grimy behavior and uh, yeah i I just i just feel like the people that are that do do this in good faith really need to start actually calling a calling this shit out and b stop working with these fucking people I'm sick of people. I'm, I'm sick of people seeing people I like, and on the face of it, seem like decent people work with demons. It makes no fucking sense. You cannot do that, you know. Anyway, no, let me stop. No, I agree. I agree with everything Charlie said. I think. Um, <coughs> I think. Uh, look, I think the thing that's really frustrated me, especially with the Tory Lane stuff, was just seeing. People that I respect, not respect, people that I liked, YouTubers I liked, Twitter accounts I liked, and I could see that they didn't really believe what they were tweeting. But they were tweeting it because it got clicks and engagement from a bunch of 15-year-old boys who have never met a woman in their entire life. They have no fucking idea what they're talking about. They've never been outside. They don't talk to women about their experiences, um, but maybe they even hate women. And these are not the people to pander to. These are not the people to get your clicks from. These are the people that you need to... Uh, educate is a strong word, but it's the correct word, especially if you're in a position where you know, you're know you 25 and above and you've been around, you've spoken to women, you have female friends, you understand the, the danger that women feel just every fucking day in society. You understand that. Do not platform fucking misogynistic cunts who continue to make women feel uncomfortable and in danger in their everyday lives do not support that do not pander to it do not elevate it just do fucking not and that's why i cried the day that i found out that tory was going to jail for 10 years i cried because it made me fucking sad that Megan had to go through that two years of bullshit where it felt like the industry turned on her, even though the industry didn't, but the industry is so fucking weak-willed that did not come out and support her. It may have blacklisted Tory, and, you know, artists weren't working with him, but then you've got Drake saying what he said in that song. Like, that's just... And don't, don't sit there and tell me that Drake is another 15-year-old boy who doesn't know better. Of course he knows better, but he said that because he wanted to capture that 15-year-old boy fan base and just be like, look, women lie. Like, bro, fucking no. And, you know, it it just makes me sad. It really does. Um, I'm at the point now where it's just, it's such an overwhelming overload. (sighs) And as Charlie said, you pay $30 million in 24 hours and there are people out there saying that, this man is not guilty, like, okay, like, that's the guiltiest thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life, like, oh, I just paid $30 million in a 24-hour period to, to make this go away, and that, again, taps into my deep loathing of capitalism and the way that it just elevates the shittiest kind of people to positions of power who would just, it's the destruction of society, it just fucks everything up. And on that basic level, and there's many levels on which capitalism fails, but on that level, it fails so fucking intensely that someone who's just a shit tier human can just get away with mistreating people and acting in a criminal way towards people simply because they're rich. 
Like, that just makes me fucking sad. And, you know, the whole thing, I haven't engaged with it a lot because I'm a little bit scared of uh, of Sean Combs and his, um, you know, his umbrella, his umbrella of influence. Um, but just, yeah, man, it's just, it's fucked. It is. And as someone with a big hip-hop account, I feel helpless a lot of the time. And you might be, like, sitting there like, well, Ben, you have a fucking platform. You can do something about it. I I did during the Tory thing. I'm not trying to sit here and defend myself and say that I do enough. I fucking do not do enough. Mostly because I'm terrified. Mostly because I'm scared. Mostly because I'm tired. Mostly because I've seen that it makes no real difference. I, I did it during the Tory and Meghan thing, and I don't think I changed anyone's opinion. And that makes me really fucking sad. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to actually... It's not even changing opinions. It's just like... I don't know what the right way to say it is because your opinion is just wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to like turn you around from a position that you're in. I'm not trying to manipulate you or control you. I'm trying to say to you, you are objectively wrong. This is not the way to treat women. This is not the way to speak about women. This is not the way to endorse this kind of behavior. Do not fucking do that. But people just, I don't, I don't know. It's just complicated in that sense. I don't know why people get so stuck in these things. It just makes me sad. It just makes me really fucking sad. Yeah, and there's a lot of times where I feel like, you know, we talk about how... Um, we talk about, you know, the youth, right? And how and how they respond. How they respond to th- certain things. But, you know, I keep referencing um, fucking Peter Guns just because he's just the first person I, re- I recognize in this um, shit discourse in the in the uh, in the fallout of this um, saying, you know, she, she did it for money. The dude was born in 1969. He was born in 1969. <laughs> so, yeah. It, 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 you don't you, you teach an old dog new tricks you know you, you, you guys know that saying so the dude who and him with rich dollars as well um as a tweet i just saw here which i'm not aware of by the way as someone that hasn't listened to them uh two men who spent my whole teenage years calling themselves the creep squad and fucking their quote-unquote artists please get the fuck out of here so yeah um these are the people having commentary about this shit <laughs> it just it mm, it's it's grimy. It's um it's disgusting, and we need to purge these people. Honestly, we need to purge these people from these from this thing we call hip hop because this sets a precedent that um that we don't care, and some of us do. Um, and it's just it's a, it's an example. I feel the need to set. It's an example. Ben feels feels the need to set. Um, because it's important. Um for not just, you know, female artists that do music, but, you know, females that are just in the music industry in general um, that that don't have the clout, right? Um, Megan has some sort of clout, right? Some form of it. Um, but clearly not enough to be completely impervious from this shit. Um, shit. I, I, oh, God. I, I, was just, I was just thinking, what, what, happened, what happened if, like... What would happen if just, like, uh, just someone quite quite more popular than her i'm just wondering what level that would get to if that if it could get any level could get to that level of um of, of popularity where you know people might actually switch it up but yeah, i don't I know I, I guess because it's not a criminal case and it's just a civil civil suit um people just think it's like oh yeah she's just there for money and they just make that equation 
um, the wrong equation, but they make the equation nevertheless. But yeah, it's interesting how, you know, we talk about the youth and we blame a lot of, you know, um, I guess music trends, especially on youth, which is, I guess, you know, in some ways correct. Um, but fuck, in terms of discourse, in terms of conversations um, that we have that, you know, for stuff like this, Oh, I'm leaving that at the foot of the old elders right now. I'm leaving that on the fucking feet. Uh, fucking feet. I'm leaving it on their front door. I'm lighting that bag, and they're gonna step on it, and there's gonna be some shit in it. Like that. That's where I'm like. That's where I'm leaving that. Um, big bag of shit. I'm leaving the, the likes of Peter Guns' door. 1960 fucking nine. Grow the fuck up. It's actually sad. It's actually sad how these people are just like mad old and they they still harbour these things. It's really jarring. Get some therapy. Do something with your life, please. I beg you, because like this is just or just stop talking. That'd be great. You know, just shutting up is free too. Um, that's three ninety nine. Um, but anyway, I will say right over there. I want to say one more thing before we Go leave for it. it because you know you yep. might be looking at this situation with Cassie and just being like, well, that's resolved. You know. I only heard about it today on your podcast and yeah. it's been Move resolved. On. Move on. Move on. <laughs> Nothing to see here. You might feel like that. And you might also, and this is to men. This I'm not talking to women right now. I'm talking to men. You might be sitting at home and thinking, well, that's not me. I don't do that. I'm not a, not a bad person. I, I've always felt this way. And I felt this way when I first started having a lot of male friends. You got to call this shit out as soon as you see it. As soon as you see, if you see some, if you see your friends doing something bad, saying something negative, objectifying, even it could be criminal behavior. I don't know what your friends are up to, and you sitting there like, well, I didn't do it, so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that you're the guiltiest person in the world, but you are in a position of power. No matter how little power you think you have, you absolutely have power because I've been in groups with lots of men, and. If a man does something that the rest of the group doesn't like, they don't do it anymore. I promise you that. They're not going to continue to do shit that everyone's just like, bro, no, stop doing that. That's not okay. But if you just sit there and don't shake your head and just be like, eh, didn't, at least I didn't do it. I witnessed it, but I didn't do it. I heard it, but I didn't say anything about it. It's, it's not my problem. It is your problem. That is where it starts. Please. You don't have to be a fucking crusader. You don't have to go out there and just be the most, you know, anti-man person in the world. But if you see nasty fucking behavior, call it out immediately. Say something about it. You know, I was getting rinsed the other day because some guy got upset with me that I, he got banned from Twitter. And, you know, he wrote a diss track about me. And I remember the tweet that got him banned. It was horrible. It was a really awful tweet. And he got banned for like six months because of it. Okay, that's just what happens, man. That happens sometimes. Don't say stuff like that and you won't get banned. It's okay. But then people were, do you know what I mean? So if you just see something, you've got to fucking say something. It's not okay to just sit by and be silent. That is not enough. It's not okay for you not to be a criminal, for you not to make women feel uncomfortable. It's not okay for you to sit there and be like, the Cassie Diddy thing is resolved. My responsibility it has, I don't have any responsibility now. I don't have to do anything. You are part of the problem. I'm sorry, but you are. If you're being silent, if you're just sitting by, if you're just letting this stuff happen, you know, I do a lot of it in my personal life. And I think it's essential that people do that. I didn't know about this when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I didn't know about any of this. And I feel shitty about that. You know, people said things, objectified women, and I didn't say anything. I was just like, well, it's not my fault. I didn't say anything. I'm not the one who did it. But I was in a position of power because I was a friend. And I could have said to that person, that's not okay. You're not allowed to say that. They're not going to keep saying it after that, I promise you. If everyone's just like, that's lame, bro. 
people are terrified of that. They need that validation. That's why they're doing that. So stop fucking validating them and your silence is still validating them. No matter what you think, it is still validating them. So let's put it out there. Yeah, silence is complicity, complicity basically. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the 5EPN, this has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie UK Podcast of The Fifth Element. I've been, I don't know what I'm in your phone at, so I'm just being Ben Card of Hip Hop Numbers. Yeah. Ch- change, change my fucking name. I um, never will. Hope but... you'll have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by Send Sean Combs to Jail and Ben Carter. The show is edited by Send Sean Combs to Jail. Music for this show is piece of video games by bonus points and chill music for its use. Socials for the and hip hop by numbers, bonus points and chill music will be the full show notes, as well as names of projects for viewed review listening. This has been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Send Sean Combs to Jail. Digging in Digits.